0: Welcome to WESA Talks Podcast. Uh, tune in as we delve into the digital world of entrepreneurship and uncover the strategies and tactics of successful business leaders. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome His Excellency Ambassador Terry Earthwind Nichols. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to be uh, just uh, mentioning a couple of things about your um past uh, so that our viewers can uh, have a better idea of who you are. Um, Terry is a mentor to ultra high net worth individuals, a United Nations peace ambassador at large, a US Navy veteran, and an ambassador of URGC Global. He's a 2021 and 2022 nominee for Thinker's 50 Top Thinker's Distinction, as well as a top 50 marketing influencer follow 2022 by the awards magazine and has written eight or nine books correct me if i'm uh, wrong <laughs> nine books now nine all right i i, I knew there was one more in the, in the oven and uh so uh, welcome it's a uh, super super uh uh interesting to have you on our podcast um you know i would like to start out with uh well first of all with uh, with your name you know it's a very unusual name i'm sure everybody uh asks you about it, and you have probably a little story uh, around that. So I think we would really like to know um, your, your, your whole title. <laughs> we could probably have a whole podcast-only title, but I think, you know, Terry Earthwind Nichols is very unique, and uh, if you can let us know what uh, what, the, what the background is on that.
1: Sure. Earthwind is my tribal name. I'm an indigenous man to, to North America, to America. Um, I'm Chickamauga Cherokee. And my Earth Wind is my my tribal name. That's how I'm uh, um, addressed in in uh, my society. And uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, the the he is His Excellency and Ambassador, as you mentioned. I'm a UN Ambassador, Peace Ambassador at large. I'm also a global ambassador for United Refugee Green Council. So yes, thank you for mentioning those. Those are near and dear to my heart because I'm a big climate and world peace guy. That's my journey in life. So Earthwind comes from the fact that I was born in American English. I was born a fourth generation Irish American white boy. Never knew that I was an Indian or an indigenous until I was 46 years old. Uh, and it's quite a story. Um, Uh, Chickamaugas are kind of light-skinned, and they've always been light-skinned. So they can fit into mainstream uh, society without any issues, unlike uh, traditional Native American people. And so uh, to give us a fair start, our parents didn't, my brother and I, we were not told uh, as kids that we were Chickamauga uh, with the intent that when we got older, Uh, in our 20s, and able to choose our own road, they would tell us, well, there's just one problem with that. They were both gone by the time I was 24. And so there was nobody to tell us. The last person that knew anything about it in both sides of my family, father's side, mother's side, uh, just before he died, told my brother, hey, did your your dad ever tell you you kids are Indians? And uh, that floored him. He's a real redneck loves to watch, uh, drink beer and do all those kinds of things. And, uh, for me, it was like, okay, that's, that makes sense to a lot of things in my life. And, uh, before I knew it, I had joined, found and joined my tribe and, and became an elder. Uh, cause as you can tell, I've got a few years on me. I just turned 70 this month. And, oh, wonderful. Uh, you look great. so they, yeah, they gave me the name God Chickamago, which means his breath across the earth or uh, earthwind. because I do a lot of traveling internationally, they felt that that was a good name to protect me as I travel. So that's that's the short, uh, story of it. Uh,
0: Mario, actually, we could go a couple hours on the Earth Wind thing alone. <laughs> oh, well, that's wonderful. So that's really amazing. I mean, uh, I really like when people kind of discovered their roots. Uh, I myself did that about five years ago, and I, I went back to my uh, original uh, land, so to speak, in Eastern Europe, and uh, I did something uh, similar to, to figure out, you know, my ancestors, and, uh, and it's, it's really dear to me. I, I, I really grew from that experience, and it's it's nice to connect with, you know, your uh, your ancestors, and there's a certain energy that goes with that, and it gives you a certain type of well-being, I suppose, you know. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 super happy about that. I love that. Maybe I I'll, I'll figure out a name for myself too, but uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit before we get into delve into business and and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I understand you were in the U.S. Navy 20 years, uh, and you became a recruiter, so. Um, I, I I guess uh, to become a recruiter, you had to have a special knack for something. And uh, can you maybe let us know what that was and how you got around to to becoming an, a recruiter and uh, and uh, the secret sauce of of recruiting, I suppose?
1: Well, I was uh, recruiting support and um, I did some active recruiting uh, what well, we all do in the Navy. We talk about our Navy, right? Uh, but I did some officer recruiting uh, in my first tour. I was uh, in recruiting in three different tours. Uh, and uh, I spent two tours on two different kinds of ships, which all of those tours were very unique in, in, in the way they were organized and set. I saw some wonderful, wonderful places in the world. And uh, no regrets there. And so um, I found early on, and it's still true today, Uh, know your numbers, Uh, analyze what's going on, how it's going on, what works, and more importantly, what doesn't work, so you don't repeat it. Sometimes uh, what doesn't work needs repeating a couple of times because you just have that instinct in there that says, this is going to work. We just got to figure it out, and boom, there was occasions where it did. Well, the results of this was uh, within the whole Navy recruiting environment, which is recruit Europe, Navy recruiting, different people in Americans in Europe and all of America. And this competition, uh, uh, 46 districts, uh, you know, there's always a one, two, three, et cetera. And so... Um, The marketing teams that I ran uh, in all five recruiting districts that I I was a member of, um, we won seven national championships with three different teams. And the way we did that is we did some smart placement. We did some smart recruiting. Um, I convinced uh, my commanding officers, even though I was in support, uh, that the public relations people worked for me. They don't send out (laughs) anything without me approving it because the last thing I want is an advertising for aviation and there's no aviation jobs. So you get all these people come in to join the Navy and they're all pumped up to fly a F-14 fighter and there isn't any. That's not good business. That's not smart marketing. So once we did that, I went right up to number one and, and gained quite a reputation from it, actually. I would have uh, other districts around the US reach out to me and talk to their marketing team, tell them what what's going on so we'll all be
0: better at what we do and more successful. I've always been a team player. That's amazing. So um I I I know personally, probably every single pilot I know got into uh, the, 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 the you know, call it Air Force, Navy, whatever, by watching Top Gun. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's such a big recruitment uh, uh, tool, I suppose. You know, I mean, the first one and now the second one. I mean, it just gets everybody going and it's really, uh, really, really cool to to, to see that, right? Um, so that's, that's interesting. So 20 years at the U.S. Uh, Navy. And then I understand that you also were in the custom clothing and private club business. So... Tell us a little bit about that and and your background in that and and what you learned in in, in that space. You bet. Mario, back in the late last century, I love saying that, back in the
1: 90s, (laughs) uh, my varied background was a risk for senior leaders in a lot of corporations. Okay. Um, However, I have a, a really good eye for cloth and design and those kinds of things. I was working part-time at a very nice men's store in Virginia towards the end of my Navy career. And uh, they could see that and they started teaching me how to do made-to-measure clothing. So that has been huge for me because it has helped. Uh, I used to sell custom clothing, for instance, to men and women, okay? Because uh, women just have just as big of problems as men do a lot of times. And if they, if they don't know proper models to, to distinguish uh, the, themselves, uh, they end up with some really ugly looking outfits. So I, I would help them with that. And I was quite successful at it. And uh, I had an opportunity. Sales were down a little bit there. Um, and I had an opportunity to be a night manager at a private country club. And so I decided I love golf. One of the benefits was senior staff had to play at least one round of golf every week with a member. Oh, I could do that. Right. Oh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was required. So, uh, I fell in love with the... Country club management. I joined an international uh, company uh, at the time, the largest uh, private club uh, corporation in the world. And uh, they taught me city club management. And so I already had an idea about golf. So that was cool. And uh, again, I fell in love with it because I'm a foodie. You know, I love my golf, but I'm a foodie. So (laughs) My my strength was better served by a very wise manager who first took me under his wing. He says, "I'm going to keep you away from country clubs. You and I'll go play golf at them, but you are city club material. I I want you to stay in city club and train." I said, "Okay, let's do it." And so for a number of years, that's exactly what I did. Um, There, I'm I'm just a vagabond. I like to travel. You know, I like to move That's around great. and stuff. And I like my own company. You know, I've had a couple. I've even sold one to the employees and walked away from it. And at at a point in time, I stopped wanting to be in, in the club business and decided, you know what? I'm going to run my own show. I don't know what that show is right now, but I'm going to run it. So I've started up about four or five different uh, uh adventures and couple of them were pretty successful. As I mentioned, I sold one to the employees. And uh, currently, we have a corporation, a uh, a company, my partner and I, my wife, love of my life. We started out as a mom and pop consulting business to health and wellness professionals. And over time, within just a very short period of time, about three years, uh, we did very little of that. And we started speaking from the stage, and we built our our business to right now, We well, we started in the middle of 2012, and within five years, we have clients and trained practitioners on six continents, 17 countries doing business in six languages. So we expanded very wide, but with the idea of not being tall. Uh, Last thing I want is offices. So all my people uh, office out of their own homes and we have uh, people who work from home, ever heard of those? Work from home who <laughs> run our accounting and and, and various other things uh, right out of their home. We don't have to worry about home, uh, houses and things like that because one of the things that I teach my mentees right up front, and this is kind of coaching, but it it's more mentee, and that is... Forget about thinking about a box. If you're thinking about being in the box or out of a box, you've got limiters. Limiting beliefs will limit your your success and your prosperity. The sky's the limit. No, it's not. There is no limit. Okay, and so when you shift that mountain mentality to uh, from I got to do this, I got to do that, I have to do this, I should do that to I get to do this because I have made this choice and I'm going to see it through to its results, analyze how I did it, and then I'm going to move on to the next thing and forget about timelines and sales goals and all those kinds of things, because when people are doing that and they're achieving regularly, they they exceed expectations and stakeholder, shareholder uh, expectations uh, naturally as a result of that. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, and now again, I'm speaking nationally and internationally
0: around this new model that I put. That's amazing. I mean it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to hear different perspectives from entrepreneurs and and people that basically one day had enough and said, "You know, I just want to run my own show." And, uh, and it doesn't mean that you know you can't work for other companies here and there and whatnot, but generally speaking. It does uh, take a certain kind of uh, individual and you you have to make the jump and you got to burn your bridges behind you and just go for it. Right. So it's a it's <clears throat> really, really uh, interesting to hear that. Um, so I understand that you are big into profiling and, uh, you know, I, I I understand the concept. And I myself, you know, after reading Richard Koch's 80, uh, 20 principle book, maybe 15 years ago, became obsessed with, uh, you know, this uh, walking into a room. And if there's 30 people, I knew that, you know, 20% of them are the ones that I need to meet and they're the movers and shakers. And so these six, uh, eventually I was able to identify just by walking into a room and it really gave me an edge and an advantage in, uh, in networking, which I believe is the, the lifeblood of any, uh, business. And even as, as a person, you know, even more so these days. So tell us a little bit about, uh, profiling and how you, and I know that you had a book called Profiling for Profit, I believe. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I apologize for not having the book in front of me. Great salesman. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Profiling for Profit is a culmination of my uh, observing people. I'm a people watcher. I've loved it all my life. And when I was traveling overseas, as soon as I could get off the ship, I was at a sidewalk cafe someplace with a cappuccino watching people. And over time, I noticed certain things, uh, the way people would stand and move with, when they were very happy, as well as very, very uh, excited and, and uh, very mad, you know. And, and I started noticing those traits and make, making uh, mental notes of it. And uh, when I was selling custom clothes, I started to experiment with, with reading the, the way people uh, stand and with general consensus and, and knowledge about human nature. For instance, uh, you, Mario, you probably picked up a baby in your life. Where's that baby go? It goes over your heart. That's the left side of your body. What do you do with your head? You tilt it in. Okay. That's a baby. I love babies, right? So that's love, trust, confidence, that side of the body so when somebody is leaning left or they have a tendency to uh talk to the left um they're they're being legit and and they're focused on you and they're they understand what you're saying so the right is is goes back to the romans and further back the the right side is deflection you have a a shield here and a knife over here and and you're always deflecting okay so anybody that that are not understanding you or, or they're not getting it or they're in a total no-buy mode. Uh, for you sales guys out there, pay attention to this because I'm going to show you something about no-buy that's going to blow your mind. Profiling for profit, what crossed arms don't tell you is one night I was given a presentation in my store and uh, to a guy that has to have custom clothing. Because he has a, a body uh, that's that's pretty messed up from a severe car accident, and he was in front of me like this, okay. Listening to my uh, my presentation, his arms were crossed. This is a learned experience, ladies and gentlemen. This is a learned experience. This is what you learn to. Your mom and dad used to do this. Remember? And so he's standing there, but he's tilting to the left, okay. And his his feet were parallel to me. That means he was totally on board. He was protecting himself because he learned that, but he was totally on board. So I stopped my presentation right in the middle. And I said, so, you know, about what I do, how do you want to pay for this? And he reaches for his wallet. And he says, oh, "I take American Express. And I said, yeah, let's let's sit down and look at some fabrics and then we'll do some measurements. Well, we're looking at fabrics and and I'm starting to do the the work up for the paperwork. And he sits back and he goes, wait a minute. And I look up at him and I said, you have a question? He says, yeah, I sell millions of dollars every month of, of my products all over the United States for the last 30 years. I'm standing in front of you and I'm an experienced salesman, mister. I'm standing in front of you with my arms crossed and listening to you i'm in a no buy and i said yeah that here's why i knew you were ready and i explained it to him and he goes that's amazing okay so what are we doing next (laughs) closed himself because he had already closed himself he was already deciding to do it but we're taught and and patterned to say no three or four times before we say yes and and crossing our arms and doing all those things, those are learned responses, ladies and gentlemen. Those are not reading the body themselves. Now there's hundreds, thousands, probably, of books on on profiling, and they're all valid. Every single one of them that I've read are valid for that author and for those things that they're they're teaching. I have found a very consistent way to read not movement of sub. Subconscious movement of muscles, okay? The person wasn't paying attention that he, he was left and that he had his feet directly to me. He was paying attention to me and what I was saying, but he thought he was protecting himself. People do that. And that's what Profiling for Profit, what crossed arms don't tell you, uh, is all about. It's available on Kindle, on Amazon, and uh, the paperback. So, yeah, thanks for asking about the profiler. I love profile.
0: As soon as you said the word profile, I went, ooh, this could go fun. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, uh, sales is it is uh, uh, profiling. And, and, you know, nowadays with sales being more online, it's, uh, you know, is the per- can you see the whole person? Is it just their face? Is it just over the phone and whatnot? You know, so it's one of the things that uh, at our company, uh, Vesa Digital, we pride ourselves in actually going out and visiting every single one of our clients, uh, uh, as, as much as we can. And, you know, we're all over the world and we have three different offices and that's just something, you know, we, we hop on a plane and we go and have lunch with them and we, we talk to them and that's really, really important to us to be able to, to, to sit, you know, face to face and, and, and don't, we don't even need to talk about business, but, you know, getting to know each other and, uh, and seeing how we can help uh, each other in, in whatever way. So that's something that we really, really, really uh, pride ourselves in. So that that's great. That's awesome. So I know that one of uh, your... You know, um, uh, you, you uh, had mentioned also, I just wanted to
1: add in, one of the paragraphs uh, or one of the chapters in the book is how to enter a networking situation and read the room so that uh, you walk into the room confidently, you know, how to go to the restroom first, check your, check everything, check to see if lunch is in your teeth. I'm serious. People (laughs) do that. But it also allows you to look in the mirror and give yourself the super mom pose and say, you're all right. This is going to be good. And when you step into the room, you come into the room for the very first time, you stop for one second. That, okay, we move, our, our eyes move What changes a movement? When somebody walks into a room and they stop, you look at them. Why they stop? Okay. Then you can very quickly, within seconds, according to my book, follow the book. Within a couple of seconds, you know who in the room uh, wants to talk to you
0: right now, and you approach them. That's very powerful. Amazing, Mm -hmm. right? And you don't waste your time, right? And you can, uh, you know, you can see who is open, who is not open to discussions. Really, really good. That's amazing advice. Um, so I know one of your business models is achievement based rather than goal focused um, Can you talk a little bit about that that's uh really something that I find interesting
1: well let's start with the uh, going back in time for both of us when was the last <laughs> time that you really achieved something significant? how did you feel? you were elated you were happy you you were pumped you you can't wait to do it again. You can't wait to go back and replicate it. So uh, only one problem with that. If you're the only one that achieved, then you're eventually going to start coming down. Okay. So it's like waves in the ocean forever. F- however far you get excited, there's going to be a, a, a an adjustment. And then you come back to normal. Now let's change that scenario just a little bit. What if an entire office, an entire division, an entire Uh, company, okay, uh, is achieving together. Now you have a whole mass of positive energy that's going to take you from where you were on a day-to-day basis and raise it up. Your whole company pumps each other up on a day-to-day basis because everybody's excited to come to work. Here's what's significant about achievement-based versus goals. Goals are, are pretty well meant to miss. That's a limited belief. That's one of those things, if you you exceed your goal, terrific, but you're going to miss it more than you exceed it, even the best of us. However, if you give up that thought and that limiting belief and you get your people together and have them believe in the vision that you're going for, whatever that vision is, for the company, for yourself, and you give up the timelines and the goals, Leave, leave the timelines for the accounting office. They've got to do taxes and such, but you don't, okay? When everybody in the company is uh, excited and achieving regularly, here's what happens right up front. You have happier employees, can't wait to get to work, okay? They are happy at home because work is terrific. They're happy at home, they're healthier at home, they eat healthier, Okay, they're more uh, connected and active with their family members. Okay, when they get to work, they can't wait to get to work. This is not, oh, God, I've got to be there by seven. It's I'm going to be there by 615 and have my cup of coffee and be ready for everybody because I can't wait to do what I'm doing. Right Mm -hmm. now here, business owners, here's the other side of that coin. All right. Healthier people don't get sick. Lower sick days, lower uh, health care and insurance rates, your safety uh, for those of you who are in manufacturing or whatever safety numbers the accidents plummet, okay they just drop out because happy people are engaged they're unfocused they're doing what they're thing they're not trying to put a widget together thinking about making a mortgage payment that's not that doesn't work and You know, Richard Branson. So, Richard Branson started Virgin uh, back in the 90s, and he has kept one philosophy the entire time take care of your people, and they'll take care of your customers. Now, when everybody in the world was scrambling for people to go to work, he was putting together some cruise ships. He didn't have to worry about it. People came to him, okay? (laughs) People want to work for Richard Branson. Because when he showed up at his first cruise ship's opening, he was down in the holes. He was in engineering. He was everywhere, patting people on the back and acknowledging them as real people. That's where achievement versus goals comes in. okay? Mm-hmm. And the result is better business, more successful. Shareholders are are very happy because you're exceeding, exceeding uh, projections, et cetera,
0: on a regular basis amazing i mean you're absolutely right i think that when people have uh you know something to look forward to when the vision uh is aligned it's 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 amazing to go to work and 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 be around people that, that you can help and uh you know and you know maybe different people have different uh, visions they want this they want that and if you uh, know those things or you know you can really help each other develop that uh, uh, vision I guess for, for 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 themselves so really really amazing I, I really like that a lot um I want to talk about your United Nations peace ambassador at large title so uh, I know you're passionate about world peace and who who isn't I hope well <laughs> some people I guess are not but uh, you know can you talk a little bit about that that's uh, you know a really uh, you know current subject I suppose and uh, how did you get involved with that and uh, tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Well, what prepared me to go into the training and, and uh, become an ambassador was back in the Navy. You know, I get along with people very well and and uh, I, I just always took care of people. So I was in charge of pr- protocol almost all the time. And so... Um, working with dignitaries uh, that would come to our ship when, when we were in port and those kinds of things gave me some ideas, and I worked with the book on protocol. And uh, a colleague of mine who's in an organization uh, called WOMI, they are a non- nonprofit that works with the United Nations uh, on, on peace missions. They, they support them and, and do their thing. And they have a training and certification thing. And he invited me to take it. He says, you're perfect for this. You know, you're already doing the thing for refugees. Let's get you into the world peace thing, which is part of your spiritual journey. And I go, okay, well, let's look into this. And I did. I talked to the people and I decided to go for it. And uh, right after COVID started, I received my shield and, and my identification uh, as a U.N. peace ambassador at large, I haven't gone anywhere yet because, you know, we couldn't go anywhere uh, for a while anyway. And uh, there's there's a lot of people senior to me that that are going to go out sometime uh, in the future. I'll be out there on the street someplace. Uh, but uh, for now, um I just speak on behalf of refugees. I have a very large social media, over 65,000 people on different social media platforms are following me and my message. I teach that to my mentees as well. Does that make sense? Have a message. Don't tell people what you're doing. Give them a message to the people that are looking for you that this is what you're doing. Your way of approaching the, this podcast. I've been sending a message to my ideal clients from the beginning of this podcast, but I haven't said that. Okay. Does that make sense, Mario? Yeah, absolutely. So what is that message? That message is um, I'm okay to work with and I'm very experienced, very global. I bring um, very unique experience and industry, multiple industry experiences with me to a mentoring situation. I don't like coaching, I don't coach, all right? My partner does. I mentor people. I am their go-to person. I am their inside man in this instance where they can talk to me about anything. They can talk about where the company's going or where they wanna go with their career or whatever they're doing. And I can give them feedback based on my knowledge and experience Not on my motivation for them to do something or not do something. Okay, I don't motivate my mentees into doing something that I want them to do. It's their decision. I'm here to support them. And uh, when I ask the question, does that make sense? That's a pointed question. Write that down, people who are listening. Does that make sense? Ninety seven percent of the time you ask that to a person, they'll say yes. And you get them to say yes out loud. All right. This is a sales uh, teaching right now. When a person says yes out loud three or four times during a conversation, they've given themselves subconscious permission so that when I present, are you ready to buy? Okay. They can say yes comfortably, not the proverbial
0: no three or four times because that's the way they've been taught. Does that make sense, Mario? Yes, it does. (laughs) That's great. That's really, really good. Good advice. I like that a lot. You know, it's interesting. I mean, the more people I talk to, the more uh, I realize how important mentorship is. And a lot of uh, business leaders a lot of times think that, uh, you know, having a mentor is a certain type of weakness. And, you know, uh, I, 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 I absolutely disagree with that. I think the most successful people have mentors. And uh, the more I talk to mentors such as yourself, uh, the more I realize that that's one thing that all successful people, business people and people ha- have in common, you know, I mean, there's certain things that, you know, people, successful people have in common. And I believe that that is really right up there in the top three, five things, uh, that's kind of necessary to, 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 you know, um. Uh, Save yourself time, I suppose, right? Like, wh- why take ten years when you can just talk to somebody and do it in a year? I mean, you know, it's 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 a no brainer. It's a it's almost a hack, isn't it? You know, so uh, yeah, um, you know, you you must have go ahead.
1: Uh, you know, coaches um, are ideal for specific things. You get a life coach for life issues. You get a business coach that is a CRM expert. Okay. They can teach and and help you put together whatever it is you're thinking about doing in specific areas. The mentor is everybody, okay? For those of you, yes, I'm a mentor and I get paid for it pretty well. Uh, I have mentees right now on two continents, uh, actually three, but one's in the United States. And the key is a long-term commitment. OK, we are in this and this journey together as it goes, as they rise. OK, um, I bring the perspective that they can't find in their industry. OK, and that is um, uh, a good example is I, I have a very senior executive in the banking industry. I'm not a banker. I, I have I know how to run budgets and, and for my company and corporate and those kinds of things, run $20 million corporate uh, budgets, et cetera. But I don't know the intricacies of finance and banking. So when I took him on as a mentee, I learned about it, okay? Whenever he would come up with an idea, I would learn everything there is to know about his idea. Then we would talk about it. And now I could give him my perspective on uh, what... What would be a good idea or or not be a good idea and why? Okay, don't do this. Don't do that. That doesn't exist. Here's what I would do based on what we've talked about. Sounds good to me. But you, mentee, you make the ultimate decision and your decision may be the opposite of mine. Doesn't make it right or wrong. Neither of us are right or wrong. And I'm not going to quit you because you didn't do what I told you. Okay. I'm teaching you how to think for yourself. That's the most important thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, what uh, I imagine you have some role models. Who in your life, you would say it can be one or two or three, was uh, a role model? It can be a famous person, it can be somebody in your family, it can be a friend, uh, you know. Very early on in my indigenous identification,
1: um, I read the biography on Gandhi and yeah, it had a lot to do with peace and those kinds of things. Uh, but just as important, what resonated with me and Gandhi is he thought about people and how it would relate, relate to the actions they do. Okay. He just doesn't say, pick up your guns and go shoot people. and Or he says, don't pick up a gun because they're going to kill all of you. There's, there's something to be said about that, but he sat from a perspective of, okay, here's the big picture, and how can I support my people with the big picture, and my people can take care of all the little things, okay, and he trusted them, so that was big for me. Another uh, person in my past is the first president of the United States, George Washington, okay, uh, he took the job of president because he talked him into it, and he only stuck around a limited amount of time, and he walked away. Okay? I'm only going to do this to get us started, and then you, Congress, going to find us some, my replacement, and their replacement, and their replacement. And we're going to build this country in such a way that the people are the most important, not our individual plantations and commerce and all that stuff. A lot of people in senior positions in the U.S. government, for instance, and and a couple of uh, U.S. presidents were slave owners. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. The first people who could vote in the United States had to be white landowners to cast a vote. Male. Okay, so, you know, that those are the big things. And what what that President Washington had for the future is incredible because it's still in place today and it's still solid today. So those are two people from two different areas and thoughts processes that
0: I refer to uh, pretty regularly. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's it, you know a lot of people forget about call them elders since we talked about that mm-hmm. uh, people that lived a hundred years ago, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred. You know, I I, I myself has a, have a mentor and he said. If a book isn't 100 years old, you ain't going to find a lot of wisdom in it yet, <laughs> you know. So it's uh, it's absolutely uh, incredible what you can do by uh, reading some of these uh, biographies about some of these leaders uh, going back thousands of years, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all people. We think uh, not so differently. Yes, we have technology now, but uh, overall, we're pretty damn close to the way we were thousands of years ago, you know. So that's really amazing. So, uh uh, Terry, tell me about, you know, if you were in my shoes um, and you had to ask yourself a question that I didn't ask, what would that be? If I had to ask, uh,
1: answer a question that you have not asked yet, i love that. I'm going to hold on to that. Where are you going from here? Okay. And my response would be uh, my voice. Uh, I've got one of those voices, ladies and gentlemen, that people love to listen to live, and online. And I know that my strength and my abilities to help the biggest amount of people is to be live and on stage, okay? Um, nowadays, uh, since COVID, I've been on Zoom with 1,100 people. You know, it, it's still the mass. The key is my journey in life is world peace, okay? And to get there, we each get to start with inner peace because you don't have inner peace. You can't give peace. You cannot give what you do not have. So inner peace. I give my inner peace to you, Mario, and you give your inner peace to Aziz or or your wife or whatever. Now that's two. And that goes to three and it goes to four. And then somebody gives some back to me. So then, now I'm expanding the inner peace, and we're expanding it across the world, but it has to be again with yourself, okay? And it's okay to make mistakes; that's part of the journey. It's learning from the mistakes that's critical. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
0: Is there um, a Cherokee word that would uh, describe that? I know a lot of uh, Indian uh, uh, Indians have. Words that describe that? Is there some, something like that? I was taught a very cool uh,
1: two word uh, phrase. Aho in, in North America means an acknowledgement. Yeah, I agree with you, or hi, or bye, or it's a universal word, aho, A H O. And the second word is three syllables, ta, hesh, duh, family. We are all family. Okay. Not only are we relatives, a lot of uh, indigenous tribes, Lakota, Dakota, uh, talk about um, uh, relatives. But being in Taheshta is anything and everything. That's Taheshta. You and I are Taheshta. My dog is Taheshta. Everything. I am all, all am I. We are, we're all it. Okay. And at some point, Thousands of years ago, somebody wanted to take control of something and they started saying we and they, and that's where it began, that's where that separation comes. Taheshta brings us back to center. So, Aho, I acknowledge you, Taheshta, my family.
0: I love it. Aho, Taheshta, Ambassador Terry. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed talking to you, it was a, a pleasure. Uh, can you tell our uh, viewers where they can find you? I highly recommend
1: uh, doing a Bing search, Google search, whatever research uh, platform you use, and and look at Terry Earthwind Nichols. It must have Earthwind in it because there's 17,000 Terry Nichols in North America alone. <laughs> there's one Terry Earthwind Nichols in the world, okay? Um, I have a link tree... Um, a uh, site that has all of my social media on it but just google Terry Earthwin Nichols I'm an open book it should. you can find my author pages my websites everything I'm doing enjoy them
0: wonderful thank you so much i really appreciate it have a wonderful day thank you mario this is great